the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 560, The Answer. Prepare to have your mind opened. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Good afternoon. Welcome to Black and Right. I am Charles. John is off today. Uh, we're going to have a fun today, have an interesting show, talk about a lot of topics. And I have a theme, kind of a question of the day. Um, I want you to give us a call at 312-642-5600 and tell me what you think thus far. Lori Lightfoot as mayor, her uh, actions and her performance. Um, what politician do you think uh, she is most emulating? I have an idea and a and a suggestion on that. And at the top of the second hour, I'll let you know, but give me a call and let me know your, what your guess may be of who I think that is. Uh, 312-642-5600. But first, uh, as we tackle the news of the day and of the week, we have to uh, talk about the biggest topic yet again. As much as I lament the fact that I continue to talk about Trump, uh, this is actual big news this week. Uh, uh, the impeachment vote went through and Trump was impeached and on two counts, abuse of power and obstruction. And I'll give you my very short, sweet summary of the um, my idea of the impeachment. But first, I want to talk about the abuse of power, talk about each um, reason why the um, push for impeachment went through. And the biggest one was the abuse of power. And uh, most of it surrounded the Ukraine and the phone call. And as I've said before, I find it interesting not um, because, you know, they make it easy for me, I guess. I don't have to get into right or wrong and whether I think what Trump did was right or wrong. And if it's wrong, whether it rises to the level of an impeachable offense. I th- I want, like I've always called people to be honest. I know the Trump supporters are going to support him, and the people who hated him before he got in office and felt he needed to be impeached are going to stick with that because they didn't have a reason and they thought that. But to the rest of us who kind of like him, kind of doesn't like him, uh, want to be fair and think about and just be honest with ourselves, the question really shouldn't be what it, what did he do. You should ask yourself what he did, but it shouldn't be what did he do. And does that rise to the level of impeachment? It's all precedents, right? So I think you should look at what he did and compare it to other presidents and how Congress reacted to uh, those reactions. And uh, over the past couple of weeks, I talked about it briefly, mostly going back in history and talking about early presidents, presidents from the beginning, talking about the 19th century. Um, but I think it's most important to talk about the most recent uh, presidents because 
many of the people leading the charge in the House have been there for years and in Congress. I mean, in the uh, Senate, if it goes, goes there, have been there for years, 20, 30, uh, some close to 40 years. So they've been around and in the capacity they're in for at least four presidents. So the question has to be, what did they do when presidents stepped out of line uh, in the past? So you take this call, however it's interpreted. You, I always talk about giving people their argument. So you have to take Trump's call and assume it uh, was exactly as those who are trying to impeach him intended. Don't take the uh, pro-Trump side and say, well, that's not what he meant. Assume it's right. So he was withholding aid deliberately to get something which would benefit him politically. So that is the charge. He, and in that, he's abusing his power. So you have to ask yourself, go back to Obama and say, take that act and measure it against some of the things that Obama did. And do the same for Bush and for Clinton and for Bush. And say, should they have been impeached? Or what was the reaction when they did those things? So, you know, Obama, if you recall, I know it's so long ago, but Obama had um, problems with surveillance. Um, many people, because he's so popular, you know, the most admired man in, in the country for the last, what, 11 years running. Uh, people forget that he ran saying he was going to be transparent. And then no less than the Washington Post ran articles about how he is the least transparent president in modern history. We forget that. We also forget that um, he kind of played favoritism against certain journalists. And then there's the big surveillance thing, you know, the um, WikiLeaks and uh, Julian Assange and all that kind of stuff. All that came about from him leaking the fact and having whistleblowers mention that the Obama administration was um, surveilling citizens against the law. So is violating the FISA court worse, less, or equal to what Trump is being charged with? Because no one talked about impeaching Obama. Even Republicans didn't. Uh, he also had, um, you know, you can say he disregarded federal laws when he said, we're going to, um, he took prosecutorial uh, judgment to a new high and just decided we're just not going to do this. Uh, but he also pushed for DACA and DAPA. Now, DACA somehow became the law of the land, but even the, the, the courts pushed back on DAPA, so we forget about that. But DACA was supposed to include the parents. Um, was that an abuse of power? Um, you go to Bush being accused of war crimes. Bush also violating the FISA Act of 1978. Um, the question with that is, did Bush's actions, you know, he was hated, you know, Bush lied, people died, but no one, you know, in the House went as far as impeaching him. So that's the true test, right? Um, the uh, great Alan Dershowitz, who's a liberal, but he tries to be fair, calls it his shoe on the other foot test. Right. If if you're doing my guy like this or if you if I'm doing your guy like this, what would I do if the shoe were on the other foot? And you have to ask yourself this. Right. You have to say if because not you don't even have to say that, because in the Bush case, Bush was a Republican. Democrats didn't like him. These same Democrats, Maxine Waters, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, you know, all these people, Dick Durbin, they were all still going to send it in the House. They hated Bush. 
Bush violated the FISA Act. Bush was, you know, going to war unconstitutionally, but they didn't try to impeach him. So why Trump? So but then you can go with Clinton. Now, you can say some distract detractors will say, well, you can't use Clinton as an example because Clinton was impeached. I'll get to that in a moment. But these people who are leading the charge for impeachment did not try to impeach him. So that is still a little bit different. So you have to say, does it rise to the level? Um, Tom from the South side is on the line here and he has a thought on Obama. Tom, welcome to black and right. Yeah. Um, basically presidents have a big stick and they should have a little leeway. And, um, although I didn't agree with the policy, Obama did it a number of times, uh, egregiously. Um, you can look at Honduras. I don't know the total details, but Colombia was 500 million. They had just fought a war against the cartels FARC, which was really totally funded by, drugs and Castro and he held that money uh, going forward. They couldn't prosecute FARC and they had to accept them into their government. And, and now how big of a quid pro quo is that? Right. You know that, I mean, that's, that's factual. That was my thing was I totally disagreed, mm-hmm. but I think aid should be tied to, to quid pro quos. <laughs> right. you know? Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Um, you make a good point. I appreciate that. And um, you're right that he's not the only one that's done it. I mean, we know that um, Biden's on tape saying the same thing, but it's not just that. It's the FISA court. It's surveillance. It's fast and furious. It's But it's not just Obama. As a conservative, you don't want to say you're just attacking Obama. It's Bush's actions. It's Clinton's actions. It's George H.W. They've all done it. I've, I've argued for a couple of weeks here that that is just how the sausage is made. And unless you want to change it, I'm not even saying I, like Tom that I agree with it. But what I am saying is you can't pick and choose when it's OK and say when that guy does it, we're not going to do anything. And when this guy does it, it's the worst thing that ever happens. That's part of the problem. Um, so that's why I say we spend too much time trying to argue whether it's right or wrong and not how we treat people. And is it equal and is it fair across the board? So a quick summation of what I believe uh, is that I think that it's uh, a sham um, impeachment uh, that they're making a mockery of the abilities of what the Congress should do. And it's a travesty that they did it. Woody Allen put it better than I did. It's a travesty of a mockery of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of two mockeries of a sham. That is exactly what it is. Coming up, we'll talk more. You're listening to Black and Right on AM 560, The Answer. This is Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. We left talking about impeachment and Trump and Woody Allen's great words about this being, let me see if I can do it. This is a travesty of a mockery of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of two mockeries of a sham. That's what it is. Not bad, right? That's what it is. Um, but the funny thing is what we need to talk about is what now? What does it mean? We see the talk about Pelosi trying to figure out what she wants to do. If she wants to hold on 
uh, to the articles, when and if she'll send it to the Senate. But it's amazing. I was telling someone earlier that it was funny how little people know about the process. And uh, I had somebody come up to me and say, hey, so what do you think happened? I was like, oh, he's going to get impeached. And they were shocked. And they were like, oh, my God. So what do you think is that, that's going to mean for the 2020 election or, you know, with somebody else being in the White House or whatever? I said, what do you mean? He's not going anywhere. They're like, oh, why? And I explained. They said, oh, that's kind of silly. And this is someone who didn't like Trump. And they said, that's kind of silly. But, hey, uh, at least he won't be on the ballot in 2020. I'm like, no, he can still run. And then they pivoted at that moment. And they said, well, what is this thing? This is just silly. What's the point of doing it? So they're not removing him from office and he can still run. So they're just wasting our time and money. It's like you are finally starting to get it. Uh, it is. I, I, I don't hear many people saying this and I, you know, I can say my opinion all the time and I, you know, sometimes you can be proven right or wrong, but there's no way to prove this one. But I, I honestly think that they wouldn't have done it if they had the Senate. This was a political move. They did it so they can go to the, like you talk about the red meat, so they can go to the people who have been screaming at the moon since Trump was elected and say, look, we did what you wanted to do. We waited a while to make sure we had a good reason. We impeached him. We did our part. It's not our fault. We can't remove him because the, you know, because we don't control the Senate. Maybe even hope that it'll help them get some votes in the Senate. They see if only we had the Senate, but if they had both houses, they would not want to do that. And this is why I say that I can't prove it, but this is why, because, uh, as I'm talking about here, I say, what, what does this mean? We need to look at both. What does this mean for his presidency going forward? And what does it mean for the 2020 election? Both sides are jockeying, trying to see, spin it as a positive, right? But life still goes on. He's still president. He's still in the White House. Nancy Pelosi just invited him, uh, extended the uh, annual invitation for him to do the uh, State of the Union. So why? He's, she just impeached him. You shouldn't be here. You know, so she's still inviting him, right? So he's going to go and he's going to give that speech. So that shows that she knows that it was all just political and it's not going to have any impact. And it, it'd be interesting to see what he says, even though I won't hear because I don't listen to the man. But uh, if I were Trump, I would get up there and I would talk about it. I would say, but not in his way, but it'd be more creative. I would say something about, you know, I'm watching the news and apparently I've been impeached. And all over the mainstream media, they're saying it's historic. It's historic impeachment. I was like, I don't know if it's historic, historic if it was the first person to be historic. But third, you know, it's rare. I give you rare, but I don't know about historic. But I will say my impeachment is historic for one reason. It is historic because I'm the third president to be impeached. But I'm the first one to be impeached by one party. So think about that. Not Clinton, not Andrew Johnson, only me have been impeached because only my opponents made it a political act and came into the house and just decided I shouldn't be president anymore. So that's historic. All right. It is bad for the country. Um, and I find it interesting that I'm being impeached for abuse of power when technically aren't the guys who are, Impeaching me one-sidedly when they claim that they would only do it if it was bipartisan. Aren't they abusing their power? That is how he should frame that. But there's also the piece about 2020 and where this will go. Will it help? Will it hurt? Uh, It could go either way, depending on how they play it. I'm sure, like I said, the Democrats are trying to use it uh, to get people to remove Republican senators. So, hey, if only we had the Senate, he'd be gone. 
Republicans will use it to say, look at how unfair they are. This is why you need to come in and do what you can to keep him in office to prove that he is what the people want and they were wrong. So we'll see which sides, side wins, but I'm sure that that is going to be um, the take that they're going to try to make. Both sides will make their argument and we'll see what happens. And uh, to that end, uh, we have Lewis from the South side on who wants to uh, say what he thinks the effect will be of the impeachment. Welcome to black and right. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, this is what's known as a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. Okay. Trump's ne- Trump, he needs to be impeached. And the reason why is so that uh, the uh, sympathy uh, for uh, the Republican Party, they can gain the House back, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the House, once he, because it won't do him no good to win uh, the presidency and, and he loses the House. Because this all happened again uh, next year, you know. And so that's why he needs to uh, win the House back. And the only way he can do that, and he had already thought about this, is uh, to to uh, be impeached, you know. Oh, well, that's a good point of view. Uh, thank you for your call. I think, I mean, that's part of it for sure. Um, I think that, um, like I just said, both sides are going to use it to their advantage. Um, I don't know if he needed to be, but I know they're going to use it for that cause. But you made a really interesting point that I was thinking of the other day when you talked about uh, not having the House and if he wins the objective. This is the other reason why they know it's a farce. So they impeached him, right? And immediately after, I guess he just got some kerfuffle about a, the, the dingle that the congressman who was deceased and you know, even some some of the supporters said he shouldn't talk about ill of the dead or whatever. But that's not what I noticed. What I thought was funny is so he's impeached, but he's not being removed from office. Right. So the real reason they're impeaching him because they don't like him. They think he's unpresidential and all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> in his speech, he should go on and say, I might make this impeachment historic for the, for another reason. They're obviously attacking me because they don't like me. So I might be the first pres- sitting president to get re-elected, reelected or stay in office and get impeached a second or third or fourth time. Cause they may just impeach me. Remember back, they wanted to impeach him because of the SO comments. They wanted to impeach him because of something else he did. So if they want to impeach him for everything like that, then why not impeach him now? He made some comment about a dead congressman. Let's impeach him again. You should just be like, keep impeaching me and I'll just keep doing my job. So you're right about that. But I won't. But but to uh, what Lewis said, I will say the difference is. I disagree with him saying that. What good will it do him? Um, I think he's got a lot more appointments to make if he wins again. Uh, both Supreme Court and other. So that alone may be a reason uh, for the GOP to want him to win, even if they don't get back the House. But he's right that both sides will try to use it uh, for that. But time will tell how it plays out. Um, there was a Democrat debate the other day, and I did find it interesting that, you know, after the debate, they want to talk about who the winners and losers are and and talk about who gained traction and the one I saw trending the most was Andrew, Andrew Yang. And he was trending because of his response to impeachment. Apparently there was a question about Trump and impeachment. Was it a good thing? Was it necessary? 
And to a person, they responded like they're supposed to. Yes, he's bad. Yes, he's bad. Yes, he's bad. And they went to him and he kind of took a different turn and said that it is time to move on and stop talking about that. We have to we as Democrats have to be bigger than impeachment and bigger than Trump. He said that they are doing themselves a disservice saying the more they talk about impeachment is the more they talk about Trump. And the more we talk about Trump, the more we lose, he said. He said there's a reason why Trump won and we're not addressing it. Powerful, honest stuff. But I didn't listen to it. So it'd be interesting to go back and listen to it and and hear the response from the audience, because I can't imagine they cheered something like that. Right. Um, But he's right. So when we talk about how this will play out and who would gain the advantage from it, obviously it's all about how they play it and it could go either way. But that was great insight to, you know, him giving a wake up call saying, Hey, if we play this wrong, we will lose again. Um, And that's really important. I think he has a point. It's just a matter of whether they listen, which could help them or whether the, the GOP plays it right, which would help them. But it's going to be interesting, but business is going on as usual And uh, coming up on the next segment, talking about business as usual, I'm going to talk about something that Trump is proposing that kind of makes sense, but will drive the left crazy. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. It's a travesty of a mockery of a sham of a mockery of a travesty of two mockeries of a sham. Now, more of Black and Right on AM560. Here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right. I am Charles. Again, John is off. I was going to move on, but there was one thing I wanted to say about the impeachment. Um, I do have an odd take on it, though, that uh, you don't hear much. It'd be interesting to, to see what people think of it. But I actually disagree with all three impeachments. All of them. Um, I I know Andrew Johnson was a while back and people got to think about that. If I had to rank them of close uh, uh, of the in order of the closest to a reasonable impeachment, it would go Clinton. Oh, that's tough after that. Maybe. Yeah. Clinton, Trump and then Andrew Johnson. Uh, although I don't think any of them, because he technically the only one who broke a law was um, Clinton lying on the oath. But come on, is what he was lying about a high crime? Cheated on my wife. I didn't want you to know. So I lied. I mean, really, we were going to remove, remove him from office for that. Um, You know, you set aside what your beliefs are. Uh, Next. um, We know Trump's call uh, has been taken different ways. The problem with that is that uh, if you're going to try somebody in the Senate, you have to take it, the call as the call is. You can't read into it what it meant, right? It's like, well, I think he meant this. The call said what it called. But Johnson's interesting. Well, I guess technically Johnson was illegal, but I get to why still he didn't break the law. So Johnson was impeached for removing somebody from his cabinet he wasn't supposed to remove, even though it was his appointment. And the guy was literally working against his administration. It would be as if Trump decided to be nice and keep Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State. 
And then she was pr- out in the open working against them. So he said, oh, you got to go. And they're like, well, it's against the law. You know, we got this little fine print that says you can't do that. And so we're going to impeach you for that. So gr- granted, Johnson was a horrible president, but still, I think that was a really terrible reason to remove him. Yet it went to a trial in the Senate and he was by the skin of his teeth stayed in office. It wasn't all one party, but anyway. Um, and the funny thing about his is, is shortly after that, that uh, little, you know, loophole they found to say that that was against the law was found unconstitutional and removed. So now it was okay for him to remove his cabinet member, but we almost unseated a president because of that. So that's my take. I don't know if people are partisan or what they think about the Clinton and whatever, and if they even know enough about Johnson, but I I mean, I think you're removing the president for a very, very serious offense because we're giving our money to somebody that we probably shouldn't be giving the money to anyway. And he says, I'm not going to give it to you unless you do this. And you think he should be removed yet. You think the leading candidate on the other side can still run, even though he got out in public and said the same thing. You, 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 you're playing a game is what you're doing. Stop being a child. That being said, I saw in the news this week that uh, Trump was uh, still working and I didn't hear anything from him or directly from the white house, but it was um, mentioned in credible sources to regular news, AP USA today, that he is thinking about making the English language, the official language of the country. So I was like, wow, let's see what people think about that. Um, I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, it's been trotted out before and people scream and yell the crazy things, obviously on the left. So they only yell the same things about it. So I want this debate. I actually think it's a good thing. But uh, I can't wait to see the debate. I want to see those very educated elitists on the left come out and spin into a pretzel, finding a way to call this racist because it's what they do. Right. They're going to call it racist. And this is and that is. Um, and hopefully uh, if I don't get to, to, to mention it to them or debate them, some fine educated uh, conservative on the other side will be able to tell them that uh, unfortunately break the bad news to them. And I'll do it here to all the people who aren't on TV and in in the media, but listen and think, yeah, that's wrong. That is racist. Give the left the bad news that most of those countries that they love so much, those left-leaning borderline socialist countries like Denmark and Norway and everything else, that they all have official languages. Canada, all of them, they have official languages. And quietly, we should whisper this, but most of them have official religions too. So, while they want us to be more like Denmark and they want us to be more like uh, Norway and all the Nordic states, uh, do they know that those countries have official languages? So it'll be interesting. I know they're going to come out and say it's racist. I mean, I would love for someone to call here at 312 and tell me what's wrong with us having an official language. Um, but most of the people who say that are thinking emotionally. They don't know enough and study enough, so they don't know other countries have one. But if they do, you do tell them that it'll just roll right off. And they'll just so, say so. Those countries shouldn't. But they'll never give you an actual reason why. Um, so we should be tied to nothing but our fight to be divided and run into our separate con- uh, corners from a political and racial and ethnic standpoint. But that's probably something that uh, is going to have a long debate. And uh, we'll have to see what that looks like. But I thought it was interesting and I wanted to inform you all. 
You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. We now return to Black and Right on AM560. Here are Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Um, it's an interesting story uh, here that I wanted to talk about. It's, one, it's interesting because it's one of those stories that on the surface sounds like good news. But after, after you start to read and think about it, you're like, hmm, that is interesting. What does this really mean? And um, what, uh, where does this go? And what other things are being affected by this? So... There was an article that said that Twitter removed, I think it's like 88,000 accounts because uh, they were of ties to Saudi Arabia. So you hear that, you think that's good. You think it's probably terrorism or they're doing something, you know, um, against America. And I'm looking at the article here and it says they announced the bans Friday and they accuse the accounts of violating its platform manipulation policies, um, saying that they were part of a larger network that was engaging in spammy behavior. So you're like, okay, good. If they're doing something they shouldn't be doing, you got to get that out of here. But like abuse of power, how do we know what spammy behavior means? Who is the arbiter of what is spammy and what is not spammy. Um, and it goes beyond it. It, it. It's part of the larger narrative of social media that so many of us use on a daily basis. It's a private company and they should have uh, the rights to let anybody on it. They want to put anybody off. That's what many people say, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. Uh, it's the way people communicate today. For one, so in many ways, those same people, because the, uh, the those on the right tend to be targeted more. So those same people on the left who are saying you all are so pro capitalism and so individualist, let those companies do whatever they want. They're the same people that want to say that the government should regulate certain businesses and call them uh, utilities, right? So we regulate banks, we regulate airlines. Um, utilities and things of that nature. So social media, definitely the internet, but social media is kind of like in a gray area and people try and decide where it falls in that, um, in that window of private or, you know, utility. But while we decide that we do know that if Twitter can on their own within their own organization, just make an announcement that they're going to suspend 88,000 accounts, as we come up on an election year, what does that portend for Trump's reelection and other GOP candidates? We know we've had GOP uh, candidates ads removed from Twitter because they didn't like what they said. So now we have an intersection of free speech on the side of the people making the speech they don't like, of freedom to run their business the way they want to, uh, government intervention, all this stuff is coming together. So 
This is going to be something that uh, is going to have to be determined and soon. And that's why this story is a little more interesting than it seems on the surface. You read on in the article, it says that the reason they did this is because Twitter believed that it was a coordinated activity that was traced to a marketing company that was um, trying to spread positive information about Saudi Arabia and the Saudi government. So you have to ask, what does that actually violate? Is that different from, you know, some other, from PepsiCo wanting to go on Twitter and spread positive information about PepsiCo? Is it uh, different than, I don't know if people still do it, but you used to see it early on in Twitter, different from people buying followers, right? Is it different from any other commercial ad, even if it's not on Twitter or some other form of social media? Is it different from someone running ads uh, like in the Prager Youth suit against Google, where when it was thrown out the first time, they called um, what Google was doing when they argue that we let the, our, anyone on our platform, yet they were picking and choosing who they wanted to be on the platform. They sided with Google saying it was, what, what is it called? Is it buggery? Basically like used car salesmen saying that, you know, we can go to the extremes in our rhetoric because you know it's not true, right? So it's an argument of saying, well, if I say this is the greatest car ever made, I'm able to say that in the in an ad because you know that it's so extreme that I'm just, you know, making talk. So where does that line get drawn? I think that's interesting. And, and how much power do we allow these social media companies to have? See, it's also interesting. You see how interesting it is because now I sound like Elizabeth Warren because just before on a previous show, I was mocking Elizabeth Warren for wanting to uh, break up Facebook. And now I'm saying how much power should they have? See, because this is not a very easy thing to solve. Uh, I still don't think you should be breaking up Facebook, but at the same time, you know, what you do to 88,000 accounts that's supposedly linked to uh, the Saudi government, you can do to 100,000 accounts uh, linked to the Trump campaign or any other, or the GOP or anyone else, a black and rights radio station. So you have to, uh, some... Some flags should go up and you should question uh, how far they're willing to go and how far we should allow them to go in suppressing free speech of anybody, even if it is the Saudi government. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. This is Black and Right. On AM560 with Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560 The Answer and Facebook Live. Welcome all. Um, we've been talking about impeachment, the president, power abuses, things of that nature. Uh, I got some interesting news stories that I'm going to talk about mostly in the next hour. But I did want to bring one up. Uh, I saw an article about the uh, <laughs> the Democrats in the House, since we're talking about them and their 
sham of a mockery of a sham of a travesty of a that deal. And uh, there were um, the Jewish members of the House, the Democrats, got together and they made a uh, plea uh, trying to get Trump to fire his aide, Stephen Miller, on um, the belief that he's anti-Semitic. So I'd like to, uh, I thought that was interesting because it obviously um, highlights a glaring hysteria that, I mean, it's almost laughable. I thought it was funny. So I find it interesting that they got together because they thought it was so important to defend themselves and other Jews and say that we have to stand up uh, against this hate. And Stephen Miller is an anti-Semite and Trump must uh, remove him from his position. But I contrast that with how they treat their uh, fellow um, congressperson, Ilhan Omar. She has repeatedly made comments that have been openly anti-Semitic. And not only do they not ask her to step down or you know, even remain silent when they did decide to to speak out about anti-Semitism. They did not do it directly, and they did not mention her. But they stand with her. I, I, I the last time she was in trouble, one of them, because it's been so many times. I saw a very telling picture. It was a, a group of Jewish supporters in Minnesota standing around her with signs saying stuff like I'm Jewish and I stand with Omar. Uh, she's not the anti-Semite and this, that, or the other. So it's interesting that they decided to stand, take a stand, but the stand is selective, right? So it's just like blacks who are liberal, who stand up, say we need to get this white supremacist out of office. We need to stand up and decry all white supremacy. Uh, what do you think about the governor of Virginia? Man, we should vote for him again. He wins and becomes government again in spite of his blackface. Uh, what do you think about this person, that person on the left who does it? What do you think about this comedian? What do, it's fine, right? So really, racism, and in this case, anti-Semitism, is only bad depending on the ideology of the person who's doing it. If you like conservative principles, traditional uh, government and religious freedom, then you need to go. If you are, you know, pro climate change and pro common core and pro illegal immigration, but you hate Jews. Yeah. We don't like it, but we're okay with it. We can still, uh, you can still come to the barbecue. So I thought that was an interesting story that they're out to get one and not the other. Well, coming up, our second hour, don't forget we're going to talk about what politician you think Lori Lightfoot most emulates in the way she governed Chicago and many other things. Give us a call and let us know. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Uh, stick with us and I will tell you more about uh, Trump's uh, sham impeachment. Yeah. 
your mind open. The lies of the mainstream media are about to be exposed, and the hypocrisy of the left is about to be revealed. You've tuned into Black and Right. This is a revolution in how you think about politics, race, and culture. And leading that revolution are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. I am Charles. John is off today. Give me a call. You run out of time. 312-642-5600. And let me know what you think uh, the politician, who you think the politician is that uh, I think Lori Lightfoot most emulates. Um, Maybe a shocker. Or maybe me saying it's a shocker tells you who it might be. You never know. But what made me think about this is uh, this controversy, I guess, uh, revolving around the Hallmark Channel. If you uh, haven't heard, the Hallmark Channel ran a commercial of a lesbian couple kissing uh, in the commercial. I believe it was a marriage, maybe. Uh, I saw a clip of it, but I, I think that's what it was. And some of the viewers were outraged and you know, inundated the uh, show with the station with complaints and a controversy started and they pulled the ad. So before those people who were complaining had a chance to celebrate their win, the LGBTQ community came out and complained about the complaint. And said that they were wrong for uh, pulling the ad. And a lot of people weighed in on it. And one of those people was our own mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Lori, in a statement, said that uh, it was pretty much uh, an example of hate. She thought it was uh, wrong for them to pull it. And she said that it was hate and uh, Hallmark should apologize and should be ashamed of themselves. Now, hearing this, you can go back and forth as you can with many other uh, topics and say, who was right? Is it uh, Hallmark's network to do as they please? But if that's the case, running the ad should have been them doing as they please. And if they want to run the ad, they can run the ad. Um, But do the people have the right to complain? This, that, or the other. But I focused, uh, when I heard it, mostly on Lori Lightfoot's comment. (laughs) And that's what made me ask the question of who you think that she most governs like. And hearing that, and this same week they had the marijuana vote and how the black uh, city council members kind of jailed together and and created a unified force to try to uh, push back the start of the dispensaries until they can get more uh, or some, I don't think there are any blacks who uh, run the dispensaries and amongst other things. And then the light bulb came on and I saw who it was. I'm like, I know who Lori Lightfoot is. Um, and if you haven't figured out who that politician is, it's Donald Trump. Yes. Lori Lightfoot is managing Chicago like Donald Trump. Now, you might say, that sounds crazy. What do you think? Their views are totally different. 
But I'm not saying the views are the same and the beliefs are the same. I'm saying all the things those on the left accuse Trump of are the exact same things Lori Lightfoot has been doing since she's been in office. She walked in day one, first city council meeting, and she said, you have too much power. I need to, we need to take away some of the power of the city council. Now, many of us agree with that, right? We're like, yeah, good. We don't think, we think they have too much power. We think, we don't think they use, using it uh, properly, but there's really no third option. So what people ignored was if the city council has less power, who gets more power? So basically she walked in the door and made her, tried to make herself more powerful. But uh, there's several news stories this week that kind of, um, give, you know, support my, my belief. Give me a call if you think I'm wrong, though. But December 10th, Chicago Tribune, sources, top advisor to Mayor Lori Lightfoot resigning as Chicago Watchdog investigates arrangement that lets her live in Wilmette despite residency rules. So she was on the transition team. Uh, she lives in Wilmette. Lori decided she was going to keep her on and offer a position, uh, a position working with the city that mandates you live in the city. And someone mentioned that to her and she was like, well, she's, it's an integral role and we don't have anyone else better to do it. So she can stay. So now apparently under pressure, she's going to resign, but that has nothing to do with the fact that Lori was like, I don't care. I say you can stay. The law, the rules say you have to live in Chicago. I say you don't. Number two, Lori Lightfoot is Trump. But I can go on. The marijuana thing. Uh, I've been hearing a lot on, um, on the Urban Talk station about how it's so unfair that there are no black people running the uh, dispensaries. They got no licenses. And we need to stop this until we figure out uh, why this is the case. They were, to their own surprise, they gave them credit that the black uh, members of the city council got together and tried to stop it. And Lori slapped them down and like, shut up and let it pass. So, you know, kind of bullious, maybe. You know, Trump-like. Uh, how about her, uh, or here's another thing he's um, called on a lot. He's the, he's the leader of the free world. He's running the most powerful country in the world. He's got all these things he should be focused on, yet he's got time to get in little spats and nitpick and talk about everything. Somebody says something about him. Why does he have to comment? Well, we have those same things here, right? We have pension issues. We have crime issues. We have this. But Lori took time to talk about the Hallmark Channel, right? But that's not it. If you remember back, we had a, a weekend where we had a lot of shootings and there was a shooting in the park. Ivanka uh, Trump made some tweet about Chicago that was mostly accurate. She got a number in the place wrong. And in a press conference, the mayor decided it was the point, point where people had died and been injured in the shooting. She needed to take a moment at this press conference to address Ivanka Trump and say, you were wrong. It wasn't 10 people shot in a park. It was 13 people, but they were shot in three different places. Get your facts right. Yeah, so that looked really, you know, that looked really good. You know, let me argue about the number of innocent people getting shot in the city because 
even though the numbers were higher, you were wrong about whether it was a park or a swing or whether it was a school or whether it was a public place or where it was. The bottom line is we had a violent weekend. There was a crisis going on in the city and she wanted to bicker with the president's daughter. See? Trump-like. Um, how about the uh, corporate counsel she has who was accused of getting a tax break that he wasn't supposed to get? First, she came out and said that it wasn't an issue and it wasn't true. Then the other day, she backtracked and just said, yeah, it happened, and he's going to repay it. And then you just move on like nothing's going on. But, you know, like Obama, she ran saying she was going to be transparent. But she is, to this point, been operating under the uh, Donald Trump playbook of politics, right? I'm an outsider. I've never been a politician before. You say something bad about Chicago, I'm going to jump on it. And it's my way on the highway. Look, all you Trump supporters, you should be happy if you live in Chicago. We got Trump as mayor. Give me a call and tell me if you think there's someone else that better, uh, that she, you know, emulates more than Trump. 312-642-5600. But I think based on her most recent actions and her, you know, penchant for uh, defending uh, the city at all costs and getting into spats with people, that she is exactly the same politician. Different outcomes, maybe uses slightly different language, but I think that um, they kind of have been governing in the same way. So if you don't like Trump, but you like Lightfoot, you may want to uh, take a second look at that and think about uh, whether um, they are really just two sides of the same coin. Um, as we come up on the next segment, I want to talk about, uh, I guess, a spinoff from that Hallmark controversy and talk about what she was complaining about and whether the pulling the commercial was really hate or not and the problem with the way the LGBT community attacks issues. Um, you're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Now, more of Black and Right on AM560. Here are your hosts, John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. When I left you last, I was talking about the uh, Hallmark controversy, the uh, gay couple kiss or lesbian, and the uh, backlash for pulling that ad. But at that time, I was mostly focusing on Lori Lightfoot's interesting decision to, uh, in her capacity as mayor of Chicago, think that that was an important topic for her to speak out on. But now I want to talk about the uh, controversy itself, because I do think there's a, an interesting piece that um, needs to be discussed. As um, I talk to our buddy uh, Stephanie Trussell often in uh she even more than I, we listen to, we listen to uh, Urban Talk on a regular basis to kind of, you know, see the take that they, they take on a lot of the news story because everything seems to be about, you know, they can spin any topic uh, to a black topic. 
And I was listening one day and the topic was this Hallmark controversy. And I find it interesting. And I, and I say this all the time that when I talk about uh, those people who are pro-black, the things I disagree with them on, I disagree with them on a lot. But I agree with them more than the far left. And when I agree with them, it's funny because um, the reasons we agree may be different, but I have to admit that they're not completely wrong. So they had an interesting take on this topic. So they were talking about the commercial and was it hate, this, that, or the other. And they, and they were most offended by the fact that after the commercial was pulled and when the LGBT community complained about it, the Hallmark Network made a statement and they were talking about uh, how they uh, strive for diversity and inclusion. And that's what the community said they wanted. And to a person, every host, I listened to two different shows and many callers and all of them were upset by that because what they were saying was, it is interesting how the LGBT community is always talking about diversity and then sometimes directly, sometimes in a roundabout way, they conflate their treatment, their movement, and their feelings with that of blacks. And uh, one of the hosts said, so diversity, huh? That's interesting. So Hallmark is bragging about their diversity and, and, and basically telling the uh, community that they strive to be diverse. <laughs> but according to the host, there's not enough black people on the network. So what diversity are you speaking of? You know, when you talk about race and ethnic groups, when did the LGBT community become one? This big push now is, is, is kind of leaning in that direction, right? So it's, it's, it's how many black people do you have and how many gays do you have? So, they were complaining because it's not the same and they didn't think that uh, it should be. And they were also saying that, which is where I come in, that you should have the right to not agree with their lifestyle. Now, I've always said that that does not mean, and I think that what conservatives believe is always uh, expressed incorrectly by the left and nobody defends it, but you you don't have to be against someone, you know, to be against certain behaviors. So you can say gay marriage is wrong and think that lifestyle is wrong and not think that people should be fired from their job or ostracized from society or physically abused. But what but people conflate the two and they say, well, if you're against gay marriage, then therefore you hate gays and they need to be a protected class because you're trying to shout them out of society. And to some people, that's just, that's just really simple and you're overcomplicated. Some people are like, no, I don't care what they do. I just don't want to see it on TV. Or I don't care what they do. Why do they need to push it in my face? Or I don't care what they do, but why do they need a parade? And I don't think it should be wrong for people to be able to think that. But they have found a way in this current all about feeling society. They have found the perfect storm and the perfect opportunity to make everything about them. So everything is hate, right? But you can do something. They can do whatever they want and it's not hate. So they can push extremes. They can push behavior around children. They can do whatever. And 
you shouldn't say anything about it. And if you do is hate. So on the one hand, I talked about Lori talking about it, but it, then it's also interesting that that we are moving again in the free speech uh, elimination era to a point where people are not allowed to just say, I don't like something, you know, they're not allowed to say, does this really need to be, you know, it's such a small percentage of the population. Why is it in every TV show, in every commercial, every ad? It's the same thing. That, another thing that you won't hear anywhere else, but if you listen to uh, Urban Talk Radio, you'll hear it. People wondering why every black person, you know, character on a TV show has to be in an interracial relationship. That's not to say that they have a, something against, well, some may, but it's not to say that most people, black people are saying, you can't date somebody white or marry somebody white or you can't date whoever we want. I just find it interesting that the percentage of people who are actually in an interracial relationship is far fewer than the, you know, high percentage that you see in every t- TV show. So you have to ask yourself, these shows are created by people, so there must be a narrative. There must be uh, um, a goal that these people are trying to perpetrate by putting this out there all the time. Um, so, you know, this big push for diversity is interesting because it's all about how it's pushed, who gets to benefit from it, and uh, who decides what type of diversity is counted. And um, that's the problem I have with the LGBTQ uh, push and movement is that it's kind of all-encompassing. It's like, I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and I said, the problem is, it's not that, you know, the question is whether I like it or not or agree with it. You don't, uh, and those who are proponents of, are not okay with me saying, you get to do whatever you want to do, but don't try to force me to like it. It's not enough anymore. They're like, no, we want to be able to get married, and we want you to like it. You need to come. You need to bring a gift. You need to celebrate. You need to be there and you need to dance. And if you don't do all those things, then you're a hater and a homophobe. Um, Tony from Chicago wants to say something about the black community. Tony, welcome to Black and Right. Hello there. Boy, this is a serious topic right here. And I really think this is something that the black community needs to know the next time they vote for the Democratic Party. I am sick and tired. And, and I'll be blunt. The black community is sick and tired of everybody riding on coattails of the civil rights movement. You know, they wonder why is it that black people are so anti LGBT. It's not because they hate LGBT people. It's because they hate the coattails thing. They hate everybody comparing themselves to black people. And in these Democratic leftists, they keep doing it. And, and, and I wish the Republicans and even you guys would just go to the black community and say, hey, make your Democratic candidates say, hey, um, What's more important, the civil rights movement or gay rights? Force it on them. Make them say, oh, yeah, we do it for everybody. And watch the black community will completely turn away from them. I'm just sick of it. But as far as the Hallmark Channel, let me say this. We have to be careful that maybe these guys that did that on purpose just to get some publicity. we got to be careful because that's another thing that's going on, and we just have to watch that. Yeah. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for your call. Great points. Um, I agree with that. I, I'm not necessarily saying that there should have been an outcry at first because like you say, it's an intersection now. Everything, you know, has multiple sides to it now. It's not just one or the other. It's where does Hallmark rights to run any commercial they want 
you know, come up against your right to watch it or not. Maybe you can just say, well, I'm not going to watch it. Maybe, um, you know, I'm not necessarily pushing for a boycott, but you're right. Um, everything, we have to get to a point that everything can't be the hill you're going to die on. Right. So if you don't like seeing the gay kiss in a commercial and it was 22 seconds, do you really need to go and write a letter to a network for that? But at the same time, like Tony said, you do, a group of people do decide to do that. Does Lori Lightfoot and others like her need to go out and now say, I'm going to one up what you did. And then it becomes this constant battle about, you know, who's being discriminated against and how we're going to address that. So, I mean, this is going to be never ending, but we definitely need to change the way uh, we um, make everything such an extreme. But coming up, talking about the shift in culture, I'm going to talk about the Pope and his interesting uh, take on Christianity. Uh, it's kind of scary. You get, you're going to want to stick around. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. the show the mainstream media doesn't want you to know about. It's Black and Right on AM560 with John Anthony and Charles Love. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Uh, Before the commercial, I mentioned I was going to uh, talk about the Pope. These days, with this Pope, it always seems like a somber topic when you bring him up. And uh, he never seems to not disappoint. So, looking at an article here from the AP that says, Pope denounces rigidity as he warns of Christian decline. So, he said that uh, while Christians are living out their faith, it's creating a minefield of hatred and misunderstanding in a world where Christianity is increasingly irrelevant. So he's talking about there's difficulty, people are leaving the church. Um, uh, it's a difficult time, and you need to find ways to uh, stay the course, to um, make things um, right within Christianity. And they say he's addressing this as he gets a lot of pushback from traditional Catholics uh, about his... Um, progressive views. (laughs) And uh, the article goes on to say he issues a stark reality check to the men uh, at the apostolic palace. And he's acknowledging that Christianity no longer holds the commanding presence it did in society. And, And this is a quote. Today, we are no longer the only ones that produce culture, no longer the first, nor the most listened to. The faith in Europe and in much of the West, is no longer an obvious presumption, but is often denied, derided, marginalized, and ridiculed. Um, so his answer to that is not to be so rigid. You know, maybe we shouldn't be so Christian. And, uh, you know, we could be Christians and be positive and pleasant and kind to people, but we should stop being, you know, so, you know, Bible-focused. Stop, you know, being traditional uh, Catholics. So people should read this and uh, be a little alarmed, I would think. Um, 
if the Pope, who sets the tone of Catholicism, is saying that uh, in order for us to survive, we need to be like, you know, less Catholic, that's got to be a bit of a problem. Um, you know, he's taking other progressive views, saying that, you know, you know, taking a surprisingly and unprecedented uh, approach of specifically denouncing Trump a few times on border and a couple of other issues. Um, he's a leftist. I mean, he's still a man, and outside of his uh, papal responsibilities, he's a leftist. He has socialist leanings. He's a Latin American leftist, and he believes that uh, the world should be shifting in that direction. But I don't know what, this is a unique attack, because I don't know what this is going to um, portend for the Catholic community and for Christians as a whole. Because obviously those on the left who agree with these views are going to use this as an example, saying, well, the man in charge says it, so obviously, you know, that's proof that you people who are sticking to the Bible and taking things literally and, you know, believing every word in there are wrong and we're right. Even the Pope said so. So I don't know what his intent was. I mean, obviously, on the surface, I guess his roundabout intent was to help Christianity by saying um, you're running people away. But as we did last week on the show about Christianity and the religious leaders' role in the culture, that was important. Last week, these pastors, you know, rabbi, others called up and talked about what the role was and what they needed to do um, in answer to what's going on in society. And they had mostly the same views. Some of them took different approaches. But none of them said, the one thing we we need to do is be less Christian, you know, focus on the Bible less so that, um, you know, hearing the Pope say that is, uh, has to be a bit, uh, disconcerting for, for Catholics. Um, I don't know where else he goes from here, but I talk about culture a lot. I think that's the number one issue we're facing. And this is just another example, you know, now you have, Politicians supposedly on the right moving a bit to the left with their views. You have the Pope moving to the left, <laughs> moving away from Christianity in his effort to, to maintain Christianity. But if you do that, then it's no longer Christianity. So what's the point, right? We're going to save people and kind of lessen the blow of people leaving Christianity by being less Christian. Then what are you? This again, coming from the Pope is, uh, I guess no better way to, to describe it than saying it's the sign of the times. But another example of the uphill battle Christians have and the fact that you have to stay strong in your faith and we have to keep fighting because um, the culture is, is, is very strong and powerful and it's working against us. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Black and Right with John Anthony and Charles Love on AM560, The Answer. 
Welcome back to Black and White on AM560, The Answer. Uh, before we went to break, we were talking about the Pope and uh, his views on a kinder, gentler uh, Christianity. And Candace wanted to say something. Candace in Mount Pleasant, Wisconsin. Welcome to Black and Right. Hi. I can't remember. I listen to a lot of AM radios, you know, and, and I um, <laughs> one day was listening the service Dennis Prager, but there was a guy on that was talking about how this Pope came into power, and that there was a dossier that the uh, co- the Pope that left oh, had read about this cabal, um, a huge cabal oh. that was going to take over his and, and get him out. Um, and that is when he decided to step down. He was so disheartened by what he read, which was that this was a radicalized um, cabal within the church of gay men and a lot of pedophiles, and, you know, who what? knows if that's true or not, but there is a book about it. it <laughs> that, about excuse me? Obama, <laughs> I'm it sorry. Also talked about, it also talked about how the Clintons and the Obama administration had a lot to do with getting this conservative pope out and putting this guy in, this total leftist, okay? And um, the other thing I want to mention is, I don't care if he's a leader. I, I think he is a provocateur, and I think he's like... You know, he's a phony. I mean, everybody well, who's... Well, Candace, I, I, I don't normally cut you off, but I want to actually ask you a question. So, you know, uh, the how he came to power aside, um, and I get that he's a leftist. I even said that. But the okay. problem is this is going to have an impact because those people, you know, who still hold that position in, in high esteem and worse yet, those leftists who are anti-religious but will use his him and his position as an argument for what they're pushing is a problem right it is a problem but i don't understand this is what i get mad at my catholic friends i'm like why do you why aren't you why are you giving money to the catholic church and still going there i mean i would completely reject this man i would throw tomatoes at at him (laughs) if i lived in europe he's a fraud he's a complete fraud well thank you you, candace for the call but i think that um I don't know if I would say why they're still going. I don't know if leaving, it's like fighting anything else on the inside. I don't think necessarily leaving the church is going to solve anything. If you're true Catholic, your beliefs don't change. It's the people that's in power. Right. But you can speak out against them. Um, But you know, I don't know, but um, it's definitely was um, not a good thing to uh, read and not, and it's not going to have a good effect on uh, Christianity as a whole. Um, another thing I was looking at other news topics here and I want to switch gears briefly. I was talking earlier when I talked about the Hallmark controversy and talk about the LGP, the LGBT, uh, Q movement. Um, I saw a news article and I saw a lot of comments on social media about this guy who was sentenced for burning the gay flag. And they, a lot of the people, mostly conservatives obviously were expressing their dismay and, conflating this and the beliefs with the American flags. Now I won't go that far because they're like, Hey, a lot of them were saying, Hey, you, you can't legally burn an American flag, but if you burn a a gay flag is, I mean, you can, I'm sorry, you can burn an American flag, but if you burn a gay flag, it's a hate crime, which is, you know, a weird, you know, it's, it's a great example of the way people view the two. But this guy's case is a little different, obviously, because it's not like he bought his own flag and set it on fire and they arrested him. It, it, it was someone else's possession. But, but you're right in the sense that you're considering one a hate crime and the, and the other is not. Um, 
you shouldn't be able to burn somebody else's property if you still it. I think he broke into somebody's place or he stole it. But the fact that they have such um, disdain for the American flag, you know, they want to burn it. They say that the, the national anthem is um, racist and against black people. You, they celebrate people who take a knee. And yet, the other you know, basically celebrated. I talk about this, uh, I was talking about this to someone the other day. I was, I drove past the state rep's office here in Chicago and the guy had a sign in the window that had a picture of the state of Illinois and inside the silhouette of the state was the colors of the gay flag, right? So it's almost like people, you know, reach out the same thing they do to the black community, how they try to patronize the black community. It's the same thing here, right? It's like, well, we want you to vote. I want to go on campaign, throw up a gay, throw up the gay flag colors, throw up a rainbow colors, put up a gay flag. So where one is American flag is bad in a sense. And there you go waving that flag all the time. The other is like, you know, the cool and hip thing to do. It's not necessarily like they're, you know, conflating the two. It's just like, you know, what is what you do? You know, you're a politician, you go to gay pride parade. Um, so I won't say that people are definitely, uh, actually conflating the two, but I will say that it's, it's, it's a problem when, you know, the national symbol gets such, you know, bad press, but people are, you know, falling over themselves to, uh, prop up the other. Uh, one quick quiet note about Trump and things that uh, that's um, still moving forward while everyone's talking impeachment. The AP has another uh, news article here that says U.S. heads to court to build Trump border wall in Texas. <laughs> so it's talking about how three years into his presidency, the efforts are still going and they are going to court. His administration is going to court to get uh, to seize private land in Texas in order to build the border wall. So not only are they still trying to build the border wall, but they are imminent domaining the land in order to get it when the people don't want to sell it. So things are still happening while everybody else is talking about impeachment. So you should keep your eyes and ears open. Uh, Stay with us. You're listening to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. Black and Right continues on AM560. Once again, here are your hosts, Charles Love and John Anthony. Welcome back to Black and Right on AM560, The Answer. We're up to our last segment. I was going to close out the show with a couple things, but uh, you always have to go to someone when they have an opposing point of view. We have Chris in Shorewood. Chris, welcome to Black and Right. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. We got about a minute here. Shoot. Yeah, real quick. I mean, I'm just trying to wrap my head around, like, your idea with the Pope. I'm just confused as to why so many people dislike him. It's at least from my point of view where I look at it with, you know, the holidays and Christmas, Jesus with just the immigrant thing was more welcoming, and it seems like the Pope's trying to go back to that. Yeah, it may not be in alignment with the conservative viewpoint, but his job is to be, you know, a Pope to all, liberal, conservative, the middle. It just seems like he's doing his job. Wow. Well, thanks for that, Chris. I wish I could address all that in in a minute and a half. Uh, But I will say the thing about the uh, 
the uh, Jesus thing. You get that a lot. It's these um, people who uh, conflate things. It's kind of like the tax thing. We talk about that. Well, Jesus said, help the poor. We all agree that he said that. We all agree that you should. But it's the government part that kind of throws it in. Did, 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 did Jesus say, give the money to Caesar so Caesar can help the poor or that you should do it? So you, you talk about the border. We, uh, you know, we're only talking about Christians. So if you're an atheist, it doesn't matter. So I'm talking to Christians. So you talk about borders. You know, maybe we need to have a segment where, where you just t- tell me what the Bible says. Tell me what the Bible says about borders. Because I don't remember, you know, the many, many times that it comes up in the, in the Bible that the Bible is saying it says that the walls are bad and all walls should be removed and people should. Now, it does talk about how the strangers should be treated, but it doesn't say that everybody's free to come and go and do whatever they want. So but you, you talk about the Pope, why he's hated. I can't speak for everybody else uh, and I don't hate him, but. He is a leftist. It just is his policies. But but him saying he should be the pope for all, then he shouldn't be attacking people. And my argument today was about him saying you need to be less Christian if you don't want to lose people from Christianity. That's just crazy. That doesn't even make sense. So I'm not even talking about his political views. But as a pope, he shouldn't have political views. That's the problem. But I mean, you can get into more of that at a later time. Uh the last article I wanted to talk about was California it says here that California is losing population uh, for the first time since 1900 because residents are leaving and immigration is decelerating. Uh, I wonder why on each account, why would residents want to leave sunny California? Um, but uh, yeah, I think that's interesting. We'll have to see what that, um, what happens with that going forward. But since 1900, that's a big drop for them to be dropping for the first time in over a hundred years. A uh, minute and a half here. Want to be able thank you for listening, but I want to be able to tell you to definitely tune in next week. I'm going to do a show on education. You know, we had that teacher strike here in Chicago recently, but we are going to spend a couple hours back to our theme and unpack education from every angle. Talk about uh, teachers unions and, and um, common core and disciplinary things and the federal government and the state's role in education, private sector, homeschooling, the parents role, just everything good, bad, and ugly. You know, I want people to call in, tell us their experience. And we're going to talk about some solutions and how we can fix some of the problems that we're facing in an event that we have coming up. That's going to uh, help accelerate that. Uh, You don't want to miss that. Um, It's been great. The show always goes by ever so fast. Thanks for listening and um, hope that you uh, got something different out of it, even on the topics that you hear throughout the week for you uh, talk show junkies like Candace and others. Um, I miss Verlon uh, this week. I'm surprised he didn't call. I'm sure next week we'll find out he had an interesting reason and an interesting weekend as to why he wasn't able to call into the show. Uh, You've been listening to black and right on AM 560. The answer. Uh, Thanks and have a great weekend. And a Merry Christmas, because I'll miss you.